Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Only Believe at Urbana. Is everybody doing good today? Yeah. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. So, uh, a couple things real quick. By the way, live streamers, thanks for joining us. And uh, if you're watching on live stream this morning, we'll get, oh, there you are. Um, you can share it on the page. We'd love for your friends list to see what's happening at our family of faith. So, family of faith, it's good to have you. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Amen. There we go. There we go. Uh, this is the third Sunday of the month, and always on the third Sunday of the month, our kids are out with us for praise and worship. Isn't that cool? And we, we are a multi-generational church, so we love, love for our kids to join us sometimes, not always send them off to kids' church. So how about this? Uh, let's, before we start here in just a second, let's all, let's all just get up and say hi to all the kids that are in here real fast. And then when, when we start calming down again, we'll, we'll get on with our, our opening video and things. So everybody kind of say hi to the kids this morning. It's good to have you. But let's, uh, let's get ready to worship Jesus this morning. So everybody stand up on your feet. Let, let's, let's get ready this morning to spend time in the presence of our Savior. We believe in one God, the Father the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
jump up here, Samira. So we got all our kids in with us for worship today. So one, one thing we like to say here at our church is you're never too young to be serious about Jesus. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible says Samuel was just a boy when God started to call him, and he grew in stature before the Lord. And we believe that in this church. You know, as a church, we believe in the expression of our worship. We believe that where Scripture says we raise our hands, we clap, we shout, we dance, we, we bow down. So I would encourage you today that we, we're worshiping just because God is who He is. And if He does nothing else, He's God, right? So I would encourage you today, I don't know what's going on in your week. I don't know if things, I don't know if you had a good week. I don't know if your week was, you know, not so good. Maybe it was middle of the road and normal, right? But whatever your week was like, today, Sunday, if you think about, we always think of Sunday is the last day of the week, but you know, Sunday is actually the first day of the week. So today's a new day, right? It's the day, the reason that the Christians began to gather on what we call Sunday is because it's the day of the resurrection. They came together on what they would consider the first day of the week because it was, it was the day of the resurrection of Jesus and they came together to commemorate their belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. So I would encourage you today, no matter what's going on, today is a new day. Today is the day of resurrection. So let's worship our Savior together. Amen.
greet some of your family of faith. While we're meeting and, and greeting live streamers, good to have you. So uh, we're excited uh, for a, a great Sunday morning. We're excited you're with us today on live stream. By the way, if you have prayer requests, go ahead and post them uh, on the platform you're watching on. We'll pray for those when service is over. But, but if you're on there, say hi to us. We'd love to, to see who's uh, checking in with us today. But anyways, have a good Sunday morning uh, offering and, and the words coming up in just a minute. So hang with us for just a minute. We'll be right back with you. But it's good to have you today. Just a minute. Um, you, uh, while we're uh, finishing up our time here, if you have tithe and offering, you can prepare that. We're about ready to give in just a minute. And um, uh, in response to Jesus in our worship today, is, is giving is a part of it. And uh, so, Amen. Amen. All right, if you need a tithe and offering envelope, raise your hand around, and one of the ushers will help you out um, and prepare your giving this morning. Amen. Here, here's, something, here's something to always remember. Here's something always to remember. Never, never allow excuses to talk you out of giving. And I'm not talking about just your tithe and offering, by the way. I'm talking about life. Never allow excuses to talk you out of giving. All right? We, we are people who respond to the goodness of God. And certainly, the Scripture teaches us in our giving. So never be talked out of giving in your own mind or with things around you. All right? We are people who give because not only is it a response to God for provision, but the Word teaches us to give, right? And when you do the things that the Word says, we do things that often are beyond our understanding, right? That God responds to things even when we don't understand completely why we do what we do. We just follow the Word, right? That, that's faith. If I had the whole thing figured out, I wouldn't need faith. Is that right? Yeah, so I give in faith. I live in faith. And, and, and I'm going to do, listen, it's, it's best to the best of I can with the help of the Holy Spirit, what's better than I, I can do, I will always do what I feel the Lord has told me to do. 
and I'll always follow the scriptures to the best that I can with the help of the Holy Spirit, which is better than what I can do, right? But I'm going to follow the scriptures. And, and one of those, one thing in, in the big picture is that we are people who give. Amen? So, uh, Kelly, would you come down and pray over tithe and offering? Would you do that for me? All right, everybody bow your heads, please. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. Bring it on down if you have it today. And uh, as you're doing that, uh, one important announcement, by the way, is uh, Margot has year-end uh, tax giving statements so for your taxes. And uh, so if you can see her. If you don't pick them up here in a couple weeks, they'll be mailed to your house. That's assuming we have your correct address. So anyways, um, that's how that's going to work. So you can see her afterwards. She'll find it. Uh, and by the way, just, just so you're aware, if, if you care, not everybody cares, but if you care about turning in your giving towards your taxes with your, however you do your taxes, you got, you got to make sure you're putting your name on your uh, offering envelope. If you just give straight cash, obviously it doesn't get accounted to you. If you don't care, that's fine. But if you care, and make sure it's legible. Every, every now and then when we turn in uh, the tithe and offering to the, the financial department, they, they contact me and say, can you read that? And I'm like, no. So, uh, so if you want it, you got to at least make sure you write legibly on your tithe and offering envelope. But she has those for you afterwards, uh, so please see her. And EXO uh, Marriage Conference, you got that slide for me, Justice, real quick. This is going to be a good time, all right? So if you haven't signed up for the EXO Marriage Conference, this is happening February 12th, 8 to 10, uh, February 13th, 10 to 12.30. Uh, the reason on Friday night why it's 8 to 10 is because uh, this is simulcast out of Texas, so it's Texas time. So they're, they're 7 to 9. We're an hour behind 7 to 10. Uh, we're providing some food. We're providing child care. All right. What's really cool about this, I, how many know, I'm going to ask the guys, what is February 14th, gentlemen? Valentine's Day. Wow, I'm proud of you. You guys knew. Pat on the back, gentlemen. So anyways, this is a nice lead-in. So it, the marriage conference Friday and Saturday, then, then Valentine's Day is Sunday. So kind of a nice lead-in to Valentine's Day. So we encourage you to come out. Now, here, here's a couple questions I've been asked. First off, if I can come but I, my spouse can't make it, can I still come? Yes. Secondly, what if I, we can get, make it Friday night but not Saturday? Do it, or vice versa. You don't have to be here the whole time, but we'll provide some food, child care. So just so we know how many kids and stuff we're going to have, please sign up at the back table. And it'll be a good time. Uh, I've been, uh, we, we've hosted at our campuses uh, this, probably, this will be our fourth year hosting it, and it's always good. And, and everybody should be working on your marriage if you're married. Amen. Amen. Right? You don't, don't wait till the car breaks down and decide to stick it in the garage. If you do some maintenance, it may keep it out of the garage. Yes. You see what I'm saying? I grew up in Pennsylvania. You guys in Ohio have no idea. In Pennsylvania, 
you have to do yearly state inspections. You don't have to just go and pay register, but you have to put it in the garage with a state authorized inspector. And they tear your car apart. And you generally don't get your car out of the garage for a few, unless it's a few hundred bucks. Oh, there's a little rusty. Look, I can hit this at flakes. You have to replace this. Oh, your, your steering's a little, oh, you got to fix it. You know, and they, they nail you. It's one way they pay for whatever. So don't wait till the state inspector has to keep your car in the garage. You see what I mean? Deal with it beforehand. That's, this is just a tool for that. Okay, that's all it is. It's just a tool. So if you can be here, we're going to have a good time, so we'll have some giveaways. It'll, it'll be fun. So anyways, sign up at the back table for that, and let's see, anything else? Oh, yeah, 21 days of prayer. We're still in that. We're leading our, our last week of the 21 days of prayer. If you haven't yet picked up the, the prayer guide, go ahead and pick that up. Uh, church is open from 6 to 7, Monday through Friday. Didn't, didn't get open Friday night, so if you came here, it was closed. We apologize for that. Something happened there, but uh, we will have it open Monday through Friday this week from 6 to 7. So anyways, uh, let's pray. We are a church that prays, right? Amen. And we are after the mind and the heart of God together to be strengthened together, unified together. Because how many of all believe this church has a purpose? I believe that. So let's pray, right? We're, we're not here just to hang out and, 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 I don't know, whatever we do together. We're here because God has called us together, and we have a purpose, right? So... Having said that, let's, oh, um, let me just say this. There, there have been some things that have been said during this time of prayer. I know, by the way, there, there are still some families out that, that are sick, so keep praying. I, I, we're getting a little of y'all back today. It's nice to see you, uh, but we still have some that, that are uh, coming through all this stuff. So anyways, keep praying for them. But just some things that have come out from uh, the time of prayer. Tom Burkholder said, you know, the Lord just spoke to him the word peace. So, so when, when we have these things come forth, you know, grab hold of them. So, so if, if you're in your life, you're saying, man, I could really, I just need peace in my life. Grab hold of that word. You know, the Lord will bring peace. Amen. Uh, another word that, that came out, and this, this was actually confirmed by somebody else. Two different people said the same thing. That, that simply just look and see the Lord saying, for I'm going to do a new thing. What does that mean? I have no idea. We'll find out. But for you personally as a whole, and, and that was something that was shared, and then somebody came and said, you know, I, I felt that same thing. It was really cool. So God is up to something new. Amen. Grab a hold of it. Amen. So these different kind of things that come out, uh, and certainly we're praying as a church that we are simply zealous after the Lord. Amen. We're going to chase him. We're going to get after him. We're going to see what he will do with us, right? Okay, so the word, we're, we're in, what are we, three weeks now on identity? I think we're third week. Anyways, I lost track of, of where we're at. We're talking about identity, who you are in Jesus. And we didn't know this, right? Because if you lack proper identity, it absolutely impacts your life. And we've been kind of saying like this, you look at yourself in the mirror and you see what you see, then, then, then if you sit there and think about it, then you start having thoughts. So what do you think when you see yourself? That you, in other words, your expression of that is really kind of what you feel your identity is. Yeah. Right? So, and I'm not, and so we're talking about this. We're not talking about being prideful about yourself. But it can't be, well, I'm not good enough. It's not being prideful about yourself, but it can't be why I hate these things about me. It's not being prideful about yourself, but it can't be 
because of my issues, God really doesn't love me. You see, we got we got to find our identity in Jesus. So, um, but by the way, do you know life? As Scripture says, life and death is is found in the power of the tongue. So when you speak to people, you're either speaking life or death towards them. You know that? Wow, you know that person's a jerk. Well, you just spoke death. Well, you say it's true. It's not your job to label them. So, so you shouldn't, you can never love people past the label you give them. Is that correct? But you know, some of you have accepted labels for yourself because of things people have said. You've got to deal with the labels. Don't label other people, but don't label yourself. You see what I mean? So some, some of you have had death spoken over you in certain ways, not good enough, you, you know, you're ugly, you know, you'll never amount to anything, you know, whatever it is, so consistently that that's what you see. But that's not what Jesus has said, right? You've, you've got to see yourself as what you've been said to be. So last week we said you are a what? A new creation. You have to see yourself like that. The old is gone and the new has come. Now why do I still struggle? Because you've got to live this thing out. You have to see yourself as a new creation. So kind of like this. The first week we said God created. and he's, God is the wonderful, purposeful creator, right? God does not create without purpose and intent. And after he made all things, including man, he looked back and said, hey, this is very good. Right? So mankind in creation, God calls it very good. And, and it's not just as a whole, but as individuals. He, he made you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, and yet he still allowed it to happen. You think about it that way. And he stands back and says, that's very good. Purpose and intent, right? Reason, talents, abilities, the whole deal. We'll get into that next week. But, of course, we know sin comes and messes the thing up. And God doesn't throw his creation away, but he comes to save it. So you're made in the image of God, which is wonderful, right? Then we mar the image of God because of sin. And then God comes back and makes us a new creation in our salvation. Wonderful creation. We mess it up. He doesn't leave us alone. Now we're made new again. God is always creating and making things new. So in new creation, the old is gone, as new has come, then all of a sudden temptation's in front of you. You have to sit there and go, wait a second, that's not who I am. Well, well wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm still not perfect. I understand that, but before God, you're a new creation. The righteousness has been given to you. That's not who I am. So yesterday afternoon, this, I, there was a young man. I get, I get calls from, uh, you know, people from past ministries. So there's a young man. He's in his mid-20s now. He grew up in my youth ministry from fifth grade to twelfth grade, right? Good kid. Uh, in college right now, I went to college a little late, but he's in college. He calls me 3 o'clock in the afternoon, says, hey, can I talk to you? Sure. Are you sure you're not busy? Shoot away, man. What's going on? I need your help. Okay. Maybe I can help you. What, what can I do? He says, 
I'm going to go see a girl tonight. I'm pretty sure I'm going to sleep with her. Please tell me why I shouldn't do this. I said, that's pretty easy. Let's talk. <laughs> so this young man is a Christian, right? He realized he's a new creation in Jesus. He sees something in front of him. He's going, wow, that's very tempting, but that's not who I am. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit was already telling him no. He didn't need to call me, but he just needed an extra kick in the pants. Right? Because he realized something about what was in front of him. This is not the Christian life if I go do this. It's not what I've been called to do. So we had a 15-minute conversation. He just said, oh, thank you. I just, thanks for taking time. It's all I needed. So what are you going to do? Well, are you going to go see her? No. I said, y'all go hang out with your buddies. I'm going to do that. All right. Good job. Was he wrong to be tempted? No. No? But he realized the temptation, that's not me. I'm a Christian. I've been made new. That is not the life I pursue. And then for whatever reason, he just needed a little help just to push his mind over the edge that this is not something he should be a part of. Right? So we live a life in an identity of what we are, and then we face decisions. Temptation, ways of living, things that we face. And we have to say, the reason I'm going to do it this way, because I'm guided by Scripture and the the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to do it this way because this is who I am. Before Jesus, I would have did it that way because that's who I was. But he's changed things in my life. So I pursue him, right? So we are somebody in him, and it makes a difference. Because without the proper identity in Jesus, that young man would have been in sin last night. But because of his identity, he realized that's no good. So it was, it was funny because he goes, oh, I know the whole hell thing, but what about now? Okay, well, let's talk about how it affects your life now, why it's no good. He said, that's, and we were talking, that's true. He kept saying, that's right. I know. Okay, I'm good. That's what he came to in his heart, Right? It's not who we are. So temptation in front of you, you step back and say, that may be a very momentary satisfaction. But I don't live for the moment. I live for eternity because I am an eternal being. Right? That's who I am. I've been saved. Bought with a price. So here's another way we're going to look at this today. Who are you? So let's go to... Uh, Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to go to verse 26. So we're going to back up here a second. Let's go back to Abram, Abraham. God called Abram, changed his name to Abraham. There's not, whenever you walk with God, there's always a, a, an identity change, right? You got Abram to Abraham, right? Jacob to Israel. We've got this whole thing happening. Uh, 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 Peter's name was changed to be the rock in which the church was built on, right? You know, early in Christianity, when you were baptized, they gave you a Christian name. You know that? It was, it was part of this process because they were, they were identifying you as something different at baptism, right? So you've got Abram, and as he walks with God, his name's changed to Abraham. God called Abram because he was making a people of his own in the midst of a lost world. Again, he made man in his image, and goodness, man falls in sin. So God has to start this, this project of reclamation somehow. So he starts it by calling a single person, Abram. 
He says, go where I tell you to go, and then he starts giving them these, these visions. I'm going to make, make your descendants as great as the stars in the sky and the, sky and the, and the sand on, on the seashore, right? And he starts giving them these things, and it's through Abram that God is calling the people who initially became the nation of Israel, right? Because he wanted the people that worshiped properly and related to one another properly, calling them out of sin, out of idolatry and injustice, right? But the end of the story isn't Abram to the nation of Israel, but the blessing of, of Abraham that reaches the whole world through him is what? Jesus. Jesus comes out of that line, right? The blessing of Abraham for the whole world is Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection and what that means. But God had a bigger plan than just the nation of Israel. You know that. See, in the Old Testament, you had a certain ethnic group, the Israelites, a certain place they lived, the promised land, when they eventually got there, right? A certain temple that they built that they worshipped at. But it was very local. But, but Jesus comes and he shatters the whole deal. It's not just a certain people. It's all people. It's not just a single place. But everywhere in the world who would believe it's not just a single temple. We become the temple, right? So the plan that God called Abraham rolls all the way through that to everybody who would believe, even the Gentiles. That's us, right? So Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Long, long intro to get here. For in Christ Jesus, do you know that in salvation you are in Christ Jesus? In him, that's assurance. In him, you are all sons, and we'll throw daughters in there, sons and daughters of God through what? Through faith. Thank goodness we don't have to do the whole circumcision and, and all that practice stuff anymore if you don't want to. It's through faith if you believe, right? Verse 27. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, right? So we're literally baptized into him in our salvation. We do it symbolically with water baptism. You have put on Christ. So we are in Christ, and we also put him on. These are just different ways of the assurance of who we are in him. Verse 28. Now watch this. This is amazing. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So God brings us in, watch this, and he puts us all on the same level. Not Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Now notice he removes ethnicity. He removes the issues of, of, of gender inequality, and he also removes social class because there's neither slave nor free. Deals with it all. One of the worst things you can do as a follower of Jesus is become jealous of something somebody else is. Got to get rid of the comparison game. I wish I was like this person. Their talents, their looks, their abilities, their financial status, their whatever. You've got to get rid of this thinking. You have to be able to see yourself that God in Jesus levels the playing field completely. And we are all the same to him. 
You know, one of the dumbest things that people talk about at church is if the pastor get, is, is a special pipeline to Jesus that nobody else has. That's silly. That there's nothing, nobody that's greater. That, that's my, one of the issues that I have with other ways people do church is you don't have to come through me to get to God. Right? Thank goodness. Level playing field. That we are all in him and we put him on. That's assurance. Right? You need to be assured that you are who he says you are. Right? And we are heirs, and we'll talk about this a little more. We're heirs according to what? The promised Abraham. We're heirs. You have become part of the family of God. This is a family of faith, localized right here. And we're part of the bigger picture family of God. You are a son and a daughter in the family of God. Let's look at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Right? We're in, no, another, in him, in Christ. We are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now we start to see what we're heirs of here. What are you heirs of? Well, every spiritual blessing. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Verse 4. Even as he chose us, now watch this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God in his wonder of who he is, his wonderful wisdom and knowledge, knew us before even the foundation of the world. Right? And he chose you. Again, assurance. God has chosen you. You need to think about it. God has chosen me. I'm not good enough. Wait a second. God has chosen you. Chosen you. I don't like this about me. Wait a second. God has chosen you. Well, people said this about me. God chose you. Right? And he chose you before the foundation of the world. That's amazing. Now watch this. Part of our choosing is that we should be holy and blameless before him. In other words, our salvation and working that out. Verse uh, number five. And he predestined us, now watch this, for adoptions as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his world. Verse six. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So go back to verse 5, please, Justice. Right there, that word. He predestined us for what? Adoptions as sons. Now, wait a second. Why do we need to be adopted? Because we were in sin. We were outside the family. But God adopts us into the family. And the reason he adopts us into the family is because he chose us to be in the family. It's an adoption process. He brings you in. One more here. Uh, John chapter 1, verse number 12 and 13. John chapter 1, the great opening chapter of the gospel of John. But to all who did receive him. Now, okay. God chose you, right? But did he override your free will and make you a part of the family? No. But then those who did receive him, right? He chose you, but you respond. You receive him. Who believed in his name, in other words, faith, we believe. 
He gave right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You are the children of God. That's identity. You have to see yourself as a child of God. That's important. Because of the whole adoption thing, he brings you into his family. So, but why would God want to adopt you? Because through his grace and through his forgiveness, because he simply wanted you, you're valuable to him. You see that? Why? Because he wants you. You ever see the, uh, I'm sure there, there's movies out there that you may have seen where, where you have an orphan and then uh, 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 maybe a whole house of them, right? And then a family comes looking for, to adopt a child and all the kids get ready and prep themselves up because they hope they get picked. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? You don't have to try to prep yourself up and hope you get picked. You don't have to put on your best clothes and make your hair up and ladies put your makeup on. God sees you just as you are. And he knew you just as you are because he chose you before the foundation of the world. And yet being lost in who you are, he sees you just as you are and still says, I want you. You're valuable to me. You're my very good creation. I want you to come into my family. And if you just respond, you don't have to be the kids who didn't get picked, who see the one that did leaving and looking happy and ready to go to a home, where it's a family happening. Everybody is chosen. Everybody is picked. Because everybody, even in the midst of our mess, is valuable. So you look at yourself in the mirror, and whatever thoughts you have if you look long enough, you got to say, wow, I'm valuable to God. God chose me. So much that Jesus came and was crucified and died a death for me. Therefore, I am good enough. But not just good enough, I'm loved. Not just good enough, now I'm forgiven. Not just, not just good enough, but purpose and intent and very good. You got to see yourself like that. You, you know where this fight takes place? It takes place in your mind. Some of y'all have to deal with mindsets. Again, labels and things that, that attach themselves to you that the, the devil perpetuates. If the devil feels that he's got a foothold in the door on something, he's going to try to kick that door open. He wants that thought and that mindset to have a home in your mind. Right? It is through Jesus that you evict that stuff. Amen. And when you, when, you, when you have these moments, it's a mirror experience, or, you're, or something happens at work, or, or God forbid something happens at church because people are people and something said, or wherever you're at, we have a family gathering, and a thought comes to your mind that's negative about you, you must stop and say, that's not who I am. 
Just like when you're tempted with sin, that's not who I am. These negative thoughts about you, that's not who I am. As a matter of fact, I'm a child of the God of the universe. Not pride, but standing. Right? I believe that he is my father. Now, this is something we brought up before, and I've actually had a couple of you come and talk to me about this briefly. Your earthly dad may not have done a good job. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate if that's the case. If your earthly dad didn't do a good job, you got to root that out of your brain about who God is as your father. But even if your earthly dad did a, do a good job, and mine did, it still doesn't touch entirely what God is as my father. Right? Let's look at, uh, let's see here. Oh, boy. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And verse number four. So God is our father, and it is talking about discipline specifically. So in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted the point of shedding blood. Okay, that's a whole other thing. Verse five. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Okay, so again, sons and daughters. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. And for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8. We are left without discipline in which we all have participated. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9. Let's see. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who have disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11. And for the moment, all discipline seemed painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So here's the deal. Now you get called into the family of God. That's great. But God's going to take you somewhere. He brought you out of a mess, and he doesn't want you to keep living in your mess. We are now sons and daughters of God. If you have good parents, then they've disciplined you. And now, you can remember back, hopefully, when you were younger, and you thought the discipline of your parents was so wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's just terrible. They were mean. They treated, they grounded me. They took away my Xbox. You know, maybe, maybe old school. They paddled me. Whatever deal you got, right? But if you, you know, when, when I was in college, um, I literally wrote my parents a letter of apology for the way I was. It, it finally clicked in my brain like my sophomore year of college. Wow, I was a jerk. You know, I, I actually wrote them a letter of apology what they did for me was beyond my understanding, but it was for my good, Amen. right? I'll never forget one time, I was probably a senior in high school, and my parents, when I was a senior, they didn't really have a curfew for me, which was a bad idea. So um, I came rolling in one morning on a Saturday after being out during the night, places I should not have been, and when I opened the door, my mom was standing there like this, 
I mean, not, I'm talking, here's the edge. We literally had to step down to the outside. She's on the edge of the door. She was just waiting for me. I opened the door, and she looked at me. I was like, hey. She goes, I don't know where you were, but the Holy Spirit told me you shouldn't have been there. Remember, I was like, wow. I'm like, God, leave me alone. You know, so um, <laughs> discipline, right? God doesn't leave you. Sometimes you need discipline. It's for your good. So God is our Father will bring discipline to your life that sometimes you don't understand why, but he's taking you somewhere. Discipline comes in the form of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's taking you somewhere, but it's not just about discipline. Good fathers are provisionary. They provide. Good fathers is unconditional love, right? Good fathers impart wisdom, right? All the things you can think of, discipline plus, God is our father. As a matter of fact, we cry, Abba, Father, to him. Do we not? For his children. You have to see yourself in the standing that I am a child of God. Now, by the way, God is the God of protection. Fathers protect. I will protect my kids, my daughter especially. Don't mess with their, not a good idea, right? I'll protect my daughter, right? God protect, protects you from who? The devil. Will he not? Yes, so, so the young man yesterday that had temptation before him, God protected him how? Conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit said, that's not a good idea, that's sin. How often do we walk outside of the protection of God for temporary satisfaction? When the whole time, not only did God convict him, but also God has a support system in place, called me. He had other places he could go. I mean, there, there was this whole thing happening that God had for this young man. If he would just listen, God would protect you, right? So God is your father, you're his child, and there is a standing in that that you must be in. For you are in him and he is in you, you put him on. That's the whole entire deal right there. So 2 Corinthians, got a couple more verses and we'll close up. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Now watch this. For what agreement has, there, has the temple of God with idols? Well, nothing. For we are the temple of God, right? The living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You are God's people. He walks among you in the spirit, right? Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, verse 18, and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He leads you into a place, even though we live and engage in a messed up world, we're separate from them and living differently. Why? Because we're the sons and daughters of God, and we are his people. Amen. Standing in that, right? All right, one more verse. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14 through 17. Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Right? Live a life led by the Spirit. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may be also glorified with him. By the way, how do we suffer with him? By living the Jesus way in a messed up world. Okay, that's our suffering. But we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What are we heirs to? Well, in this life, we're heirs to forgiveness. We are heirs to righteousness. We're heirs to the power of the Spirit. We're heirs of strength. We're heirs of new life, right? That's life now. But we know there's a life to come. And we're also heirs to the resurrection of the dead. We're heirs of the new creation. We're heirs of eternity with God. These are the rights and the privileges as sons and daughters of God. Heirs of what we receive in this life now and heirs of the eternal life to come. That's who we are. So now you, you're brought into the family adopted, right? But sometimes if you, if you read the bad stories, people can be adopted but not treated as full son and daughter. That doesn't happen with God. He brings you in in an adopted way, and now you're in the full rights of a son and a daughter of God. And your heirs, your name is put in the will. You're not left out. It wasn't like, well, well the, other, the, the, the natural-born kids get all this, and you get the scraps because you were adopted. No, everybody's adopted in the full rights of the heirs of God, and that's all things. The glorious riches of who he is that brings our provision. Amen. Amen. That's who we are. So you look at yourself, man, I'm a child of God. Who's God? The, the God, the creator. I mean, all, all the wonder of your imagination that you can think of who God is. That is my father. And in him, I can do all things. In him, I am who I am. In him, he has given me what I need. In him, I'm provided for. In him, right? I'm heir now. And, of course, wow, the, the, the wonder of eternal life to come. That's who you are. Start dealing with labels. Somebody, even at our age, you think when we get out of junior high and high school, this stuff would stop, but apparently it doesn't. Somebody says something to you, uh-uh. Nope, that's not taking root in my brain, no. You begin to compare yourself to somebody, stop, nope, 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 nope. God made me just as I am, I am good enough. And if I really knew that person as well as I think I do, I probably wouldn't want to be them anyways, right? You just let them be them, you be you. Right? You see what I mean? And God has made you so very good, and you have to believe it. You have to believe it. Because as we're going to talk about next week, you have to believe it because you may have a burning bush moment when God calls you to do something, and you can't sit there and make excuses why you can't. Because God has purpose for your life. That's what we're going to get into next week. Okay? All right. We're going to close out with... with uh, communion today, so if you didn't get one of these uh, little communion packages here, I'll get you one. Raise your hand up. 
So we have the ability to stand in who God is because of the work of Jesus on the cross. The blessing of the world through Abraham was the blessing of Jesus. And the act that put the finality of what Jesus was all about was his death on the cross. And the scripture says that we do this in remembrance of him. Because this right here is, is the linchpin to the whole thing. It's the key to the whole thing. You take this away, and there's no forgiveness of sins. The once and done sacrifice, right? You take this away, there, there ultimately is no adoption as sons and daughters to be children of God. You take this away, we're not co-heirs with Christ any longer. All this stuff we're talking about today keys back to this. And that, that is our sermon every week. Every week, everything that we preach from this pulpit keys right here. Broken body, willing sacrifice in our place, shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is what we, we stand in. Amen. So before we, we partake together, let's just take a moment, as Paul would say, let's just examine your heart. If there's things in the way, pray for forgiveness. If you've been walking off the narrow road, you need to get back to it. Let's, let's get back to it. Let, let's come before God today before we partake and just recommit ourselves once again. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. If you would stand up this morning, please, as we partake together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly dying on the cross for our sins. Broken body, the one and done sacrifice, perfect sacrifice, sinless sacrifice. God had come and take on flesh to die on a cross. For what you endured because you loved us, because you chose us, because we value, we, we are valuable to you. We thank you for that. So we thank you for dying on the cross, physically dying for us in our place. We thank you for that. And this morning we partake of, of the bread together in, in remembrance of that. You may partake of the bread. Well, as we know, the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins because blood represents life. And what comes from a broken body is the shedding of blood. And it is in your blood that is shed that we stand in forgiveness. Your grace and your mercy has afforded this, your love. 
For as old song we sing, there's nothing that can wash away our sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the amazing thing about your blood, we can come to you time and time again and your blood covers our sins. For as many times as we fall, your, your blood covers our sins. For as many times we make mistakes, your blood covers our sins. And we thank you for that, for your grace, your mercy, your patience in us working out what is called this new creation. Thank you, Jesus, for the shedding of your blood. And this morning we partake of the symbolism of it. So if you will, just, just, just raise your hands up and thank him this morning. We worship you today, Jesus, and we thank you for all you've done. We thank you for bringing us into your family. You're the way to the Father. You're the way of our adoption. We thank you for it. We thank you for all the things that that means. And I pray as a congregation we stand in that in confidence. So we can do what you have called us to do and live the life you have called us to live. We stand in it. We thank you for it. Thank you for coming to us and not leaving us alone. But doing what only you can do for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, family of faith, it was good to have you today. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday, Sunday. If you need your uh, tax forms, see Margo.